congregation of our Lord Jesus Christ, I, I would imagine that it's not, I mean, it wouldn't be unusual if young people or young adults would read this, that they'd be a, a bit nervous if I were to title this message, How to Find a Wife, you know, or How to Find a Husband. Because it would seem to be, be a bit out of our cultural realm, out of our sphere of reality. You know, to expect someone to marry in the fashion in which Isaac and Rebecca come together. But, but this is the message about a wife or a bride of God's choosing. Yeah, we don't want to make it uh, you know, too, uh, too moralistic in that sense because there's something remarkable going on here. It's a remarkable kind of choosing that's taking place. Uh, a bringing of a bride to uh, the son of the promise. And uh, so we, we, we pray that uh, as we're looking at this passage, we open it up a bit, uh, that we would get blessings from God's truth, blessings from the gospel for his praise for our welfare. And so we look at this passage called The Wife of God's Own Choosing, and we're considering it being a call to holiness, a testament to God's faithfulness, and then also, uh, as we see that this is a wife of God's own choosing, that Rebecca is is blessed for a very remarkable motherhood. So first of all, we're going to reflect on the call to holiness that's here as God chooses this bride or chooses this wife. Uh, in this chapter, we find that Abraham's life is drawing to a close, and it's a life where he has seen God's blessing come his way as God has promised. Uh, we, we hear that uh, right off, right off the bat, right from the beginning, where we hear that the Lord had blessed Abraham in all things. And in the light of that blessing, and in the context of that, Abraham seeks a wife for his son Isaac. Now, as we saw last time we were together at night, in the previous chapter, we heard about the dying of Sarah, uh, the wife of Abraham, a loss in the covenant home, a loss in the covenant family, yet not without its hope in Christ, as we're remembering that we look at death and we look at life differently as believers in Christ and as children of Abraham in Christ. Well, in this chapter, we're not hearing about a loss, we're hearing about a gain. We're not hearing about what's been subtracted, we've, we've been reading here about what's been added. A need for a wife for Isaac has been filled. Now, we might not expect parents to take that kind of proactive role in seeking spouses for our children today. But, nevertheless, we shouldn't forget, biblically, that marriage is never strictly an individual affair. Even Jesus would talk about that when he was talking about in the days of, Moses, or of Noah and as he was talking about uh, things that he was prophesying were going to happen. And he talked about the, the regular work of things where people married and were given in marriage. Well, that giving in marriage is something that happens within the context of the home. It happens within the family. It's a family affair. 
uh, and when we live in an individualistic kind of society that oftentimes we find ourselves in, we sometimes lose track of that. When sons leave their, their mothers and their fathers for their spouses, for their, for, for, for their wives, yeah. they need to honor their parents in the Lord with the belief that, that their bride is to be is a woman of God's choosing in Christ. Uh, they need, as the Apostle Paul would say, to be marrying in the Lord. Sons also need to show honor to the family of the daughter, for they, they don't simply take a daughter in marriage. Uh, she's given in marriage with the blessing of the father who's, who's called to defend the honor of her daughter in the Lord. We may not marry in the same exact fashion as they did in the days of Abraham, but marriage should no less be a family affair as it was in the days of old that we see in our passage. In Abraham's case, of course, there was quite the dilemma. There was a need for Isaac to have a wife. There was a need for that. And, uh, and he's making some work of that. This is necessary in the context of God's plan for salvation. We've seen how Isaac has remarkably typified the one and only Son of God. He bore the wood, he's laid on the altar, and like Hebrews would say, he in essence was received back from the dead. He was in essence resurrected from the dead. It's a type of the only Son of God that Jesus Christ is. And, and it's a reminder then here that while, while Isaac in, in the past, as we've seen already, typified the, the only Son of God to come, the, the true Son of the promise, he wasn't the Son of the promise. And so a wife was needed so that from Isaac, children of the promise might come. It is not the time for the Son of the promise, but there is the need for a wife to continue on that seed of the woman. But from where would this bride come? And how was Abraham to approach this? Well, we read, don't we, that, that he doesn't want the bride to come from the Canaanite. And we read that he doesn't want Isaac to leave Canaan to find a bride. He's clear about both of those things. Abraham doesn't want a bride to come from those who are to disinherit the land, who are not heirs of God. But he also doesn't want Isaac to leave the land of promise and so be disinherited himself. Abraham has gotten word that his brother Nahor's wife, Milcah, has been quite fruitful. And we didn't touch on that when we were looking at Genesis 22, but the end of Genesis 22 talks about that. Abram had gotten word about this fruitfulness. Not only had Sarah born a son, but we read at the end of Genesis 22 that Milcah also had become a mother. A mother of eight, in fact. The last of which was Bethuel, the father we read there in Genesis 22 of Rebekah. 
So where do we where to go for a wife for Isaac and how? Well, for the sake of the inheritance promise, uh, really for the sake of the Christ from whom all promised blessings arise, uh, where they have, where they will, and where they do flow, for the sake of Christ from whom all blessings flow. Think of that. That's how Abraham is blessed the way he is. He sends his servant as an ambassador, as an apostle, if you will. The fancy word in the Hebrew is the shaliah. It's the person who can speak in his name. He is sent to speak in the name of Abraham. It's as if Abraham was going. He represents Abraham, and he's to go and seek out a bride from among his own country and relatives. And so the marriage decision is made here for the sake of holiness. It's made by one who himself was called out of his country. That makes a difference. He was called out of his country to a holy purpose. And the spirit of that holy purpose ends up dictating Abraham's decision to seek a wife or a son in the way that he does. And, and, and so there are many lessons that we can learn from this portion of our passage. The nation of Israel, when they, were to, when they read through Genesis, as Moses penned it, when they first heard these passages, would be reminded, no doubt, of their calling to be a different people in the land of Canaan. Marriage for them was also to be held up high in sanctity. And when they didn't do that, they had trouble. And so there was a need for, back in those days then, for covenant young people and children to make sure that while they were in the world and they were called to be a light to the world uh, about God's grace, they were not to compromise that faith when it came to those whom they married. They weren't to compromise it. Those whom they married were to share their faith. It was not their calling to, to blend into the world with their marriages. Their marriages were supposed to be holy. Even as their relationship to God was to be holy, ultimately for the sake of Jesus Christ. Those whom they were to marry were to be known as those of the Lord's blessing. Of those of the Lord's blessing. And we can learn from that as well. Uh, young people, young adults can learn about that or or, or, or whenever we're pondering marriage, marriage is also to be held for us in high honor. Those whom we marry are to be those whom we're convinced are people of God's choosing, of God's blessing to us that way. Certainly Rebecca, in accordance with the prayer of the servant of Abraham, showed first of all her beauty of character. She was a serving and submissive person that way. And that was seen from the fact that she provides water for the servant and the camels to her willingness in the spirit of Abraham to leave her country and to go to a land that she did not know. It's just like Abraham. This is a woman of faith. It's a woman of, of beauty that way, of service, of submission. And going even to a husband yet unseen. 
You have to ask later, who's this person coming? Sight unseen. Rebecca is chosen then to be a bride of the son who had typified the sacrificed and risen Lord Jesus Christ. She was a bride of the Son who had typified the sacrificed and risen Lord Jesus Christ. And whether we speak about Abraham's intentions or we speak about God's choosing, we know this much. She was called to holy purposes. And she recognized that. And when you think about women called to be wise, that's their calling, isn't it? Their calling is nothing less than a picture of the bride of Christ, the church of Jesus Christ. It's no different. Their calling, as with the church, is a picture of holiness. That's their beauty. That's to shine forth first. Wives, submit to your husbands as the church submits to Christ. This is Rebecca. In this chapter, then, not is this chapter then not not a reminder to us all in Christ where beauty is found. I mean, not only of a of a bride chosen by God, but but of of us all, right? As members of Christ's church, His bride, aren't we all called to serve? Aren't we all called to be submissive as part of the bride of Christ to submit to the Word of Christ? who's preparing for himself a bride to find beauty in submission. Because Christ is preparing for himself a bride that is holy and without spot. Such submission is our call. If we consider ourselves part of that bride, his church, chosen of God through faith in Christ. So that's part of what we see here is that this Wife of God's choosing is called to holiness. But this passage also speaks to us about how this bride is an emblem of God's faithfulness. I mean, the, uh, the servant recognizes, uh, recognizes this himself when he says, Blessed be the Lord, the God of my master, verse 27, Abraham, who hasn't forsaken his steadfast love and his faithfulness toward my master. She's an emblem, a testament to God's faithfulness. You know, Sarah, we read again in chapter 23, we know, died. So how's the covenant seed going to be preserved? Well, God is going to provide a new Sarah of sorts. And we see that in this passage. Like Sarah, Rebecca leaves the country of Abraham. Just like Sarah. And she enters the tent of Sarah and is a comfort to Isaac in the passing of his mother. And that's not mentioned to us for for nothing. That she's brought into the tent of Sarah, his mother, We read about that in verse 67, and that Isaac was comforted after his mother's death. I mean, there's reason for comfort 
and, and, and comfort, certainly because of the passing of the mother, but also of the continuation of God's faithfulness here. Rebecca is like Sarah. I mean, why mention the entering and the comfort unless we're supposed to find a connection here between Sarah and Rebecca? So Rebecca is representing to us a renewal of God's elective grace, the new representative of God's elective grace, an emblem of God's faithfulness to his people, a child of the eighth son, because she was from the eighth son that was born to Nahor. And that number, of course, is the number of a new creation. It's the last of Milcah and yet chosen of God. Abraham was not exactly sure who would become a wife for Isaac, nor did his servant. But he did know that God would provide. They did know that God would provide a bride. He would provide a mother. God would provide for the sake of his promises to Abraham. He would provide in his grace. Grace was not going to die. God's electing love was not going to fall short of his plan. One way or another, God was going to be faithful to his promises. On that, Abraham could depend. That was true when he, when he was called to sacrifice Isaac. That's true now when he's looking to add a wife to Isaac. And so this isn't a passage that tells us then, beloved, that if you're waiting for a spouse, don't worry, God in his time is going to bring one to you. That's not the moral. But it is a passage where we can say this much. We're not always sure how God is going to work things out for us. That's true in this passage. But for the sake of Christ, God is going to work things out for us and for his glory. On that, we can rest assured. I can't paint a picture for you that is so clear that I could say to you, well, you're going to be doing this for a living or that for a living in five years, or you're going to marry this person or that person, and this is going to be the place where you're going to be living in the next five years. I can't do that. But I can be assured that God is faithful for the sake of His promises to those who put their trust in Him. That God will provide in that way. That His grace will be sufficient. If we're willing to follow Him in faith and take delight in His saving grace in Christ and serve Him through the cloudy times as well as the clear, then we can be assured that God will work all things out for our good as one called to His purposes in Christ. That much is something that can be said. And, and that's gospel. The last thing briefly we want to take a look at is the remarkable motherhood of Rebecca. She receives a blessing of remarkable fertility and victory. Our sister, in verse 60, may you become thousands of ten thousand. And may your offspring possess the gate of those who hate him. 
Now that's right in line with the covenant promises given to Abraham. That through his seed, all the nations of the earth would be blessed. And all those who are part of the bride of the Son, of, uh, 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 the, of the, Son the Church of Jesus Christ, can hang their hat on this promise too. You know, we sing myriad in number, drawn from every land, robed in white apparel, washed in Jesus' blood. They now reign in heaven with the Lamb of God. Such is the nation of the new Israel, the church of Jesus Christ, brought to life in Christ, the seed of the woman. It's called a fruitful living. The blessing speaks not only of fruitfulness, but of victory over the gates of one's enemy. You know, we, we might think of, when we think about gate victories, one of the ones that may come to our mind is the person of Samson. And our boys and girls remember how Samson was so powerful that he took the gates of Gaza and he carried them away. Well, Gaza was part of the enemies of, of God's people in the book of Judges. And he was one of the children of Rebekah. The new Sarah, child of the promise, who overcomes the gates of Gaza, the stronghold of God's enemy. Now, of course, that gate victory was just a partial fulfillment of the Rebecca promise, which points to the complete fulfillment of the Rebecca promise. We come to know that on the rock of Christ, who's the Son of of the living God. And there is victory for the church of Christ, His bride. The gates of hell cannot prevail against Him and against His church as she moves forward in faith. There's victory for the church in Christ. The gates of hell cannot prevail. Thanks be to God who gives us the victory over sin and death through our Lord Jesus Christ. We may have trouble in this world, says the Lord, but we take heart because of the one who has overcome the world. We have every reason then, not for an apathetic, blasé, and indifferent and lukewarm kind of faith, but for a vibrant, vital, bold, and strong faith. Such is the blessing of those who are children of the mother of God's choosing, children of God's grace, children of God in Christ. They may know the victory that was promised to Rebecca long ago. The wife or bride of God's choosing then is called to holiness to which uh, we all should be when it comes to marrying the Lord or our place in the church of Jesus Christ in service and submission. The bride is a, is a testament to the faithfulness of God. It preserves His gracious plan. And He secures them in Jesus so that we may, we may know security in life. Rebecca's a remarkable mother. Blessed with fruitfulness and blessed with victory. As is the church of Jesus Christ today. Thanks to the strength of her blessed bridegroom. And so there's reason as we look at passages like this again for comfort and joy to everybody to all those called to turn Christ for salvation, to serve Him in the church of Jesus Christ, the bride 
of God's choosing. Amen. Let's take a moment to respond in